Lance Piccioni, uh, welcome to Real Insight and uh, an absolute pleasure to have you. I've known you now for about two years um, yep. and we met under really fortuitous circumstances for me particularly, and I'll explain that to you in a, in yep. a little bit, um, but, but primarily uh, retired AFL footballer. We'll call it retired. Uh, call it retired. <laughs> um, played 54 games for the Mighty Hawks. 58. 58 uh, games Hawks. for the Mighty Hawks. Um, and definitely at a time when uh, foundations are being laid and sort of that next generation of Hawthorne was, was coming of age. Yeah. Um, start us there, Lance, and, and talk about the, the Never Alone Foundation. Um, give us a rundown of the Never Alone Foundation and sort of how that came to be yeah. um, and tell us a bit about, about your journey. Where did we start? Like, and that's the thing, right? It's, I mean, people ask. I get that asked a lot. Yeah. You know, obviously uh, doing so much in terms of the public awareness around what my, who I am and what I do with the foundation and what my life's been. And it's been a real challenge like everybody else. And we've got a journey and we've got a story to tell. Um, you know, my story really starts back from my teenage years, um, you know, through just a pretty much more of a social disconnection of who I was and how I was going about it and the people I was hanging around with and who I was, you know, playing sport with or who I was going to school with and sort of just more sort of more disconnected from myself around, you know, there was more to me than playing sport. Yep. Um, and that was – and that became a real battle. Is that a pressure? Is, is that a pressure that is, is put on you that you're a sports person and that's what you need to live up to? Kind of. I mean, you're good. <laughs> it becomes that. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, oh, I was a I was a overdeveloped Eastern European kid. You know, I was a fully grown adult by the time I was thirteen. Yeah, right. So, this is how my life was, and it's how I worked it through. Um, you know, whether it was basketball, whether it was athletics. You know, footy became you know my sport. Um, when I realised I wasn't going to grow anymore, so I had to give up basketball, sort of thing. Yep. But then, my life still now, and this is the pressure and expectations of life. And you know, this pressure and expectations now has been passed on to my boys. Mm. You know, I am. Um, you know, I played AFL. I wasn't a champion. I played hard. I did all that sort of stuff, and, and that's what I've been known for is in terms of my career. Yep. Um, but there's an expectation now of society in how it works to say, oh, that's their automatic connection. Mm. And, and connect sport is a huge connection for everybody, and it's a thing that we can all talk about. It's a thing that we can all hopefully experience at some level. Yep. Um, but having played at a higher level than, you know, a lot of people their connection too is talk about it and be the expectations and the stories that come from having played footy. So I played, I played AFL for eight years, yep. um, three different clubs, you know, went through all the challenges where, you know, you play three three clubs now, it's a norm, yep. right? And it's, but back then it wasn't. Yep. Um, you know, then my boys, five and seven, they know that dad played footy um, and, you know, dad had a footy card and all that sort of stuff. But to really understand, help them understand what, was footy and what was professional sport and what was life back then, you know, I'm pretty open about it with them and, and the experiences that come with. But the first question that I always get asked, you know, when people find out that I have boys is, oh, are they going to play are footy? Are going to play? Mm-hmm. You know, and then it's not about that, you know, and, and that, I understand that's human connection and that's just a story, it's a question because people just, that's how it works, right? But they'll play what they want to play. Mm-hmm. They'll do what they want to do. Like my dad played soccer for Australia. Yeah. So the question he would have got is, oh, you got a boy who's going to play, play soccer. soccer. Mm. Yeah, I've got an older brother who played soccer as an under, you know, I think he's under 10s. The culture around it, dad pulled my, son, my brother out of soccer. We weren't allowed to play it. That's just how it worked, yeah. right? Could life have been different if I had played soccer? 100%. But, mm. you know, it's not about what could have been. It's about what you did. So, um, you know, sort of the experiences playing footy was amazing, but it was also hell. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about expectations, we talk about pressures, we talk about, you know, injuries, the forms, social connection into a club, the timing of being at a certain club at a certain with certain people. You know, your mix and your, your chemistry with certain, you know, coaches or whatever that comes with, or the staff or the admin, um, you know, the president doesn't like you, or whatever, whatever it yeah. might be, right? There's a whole range of things that go on in, within a football club, the dynamics of it and the politics that come with it that people don't expect understand because they, they just don't haven't experienced it. Well, from the outside, you're thinking, what else? Like, you, you've made it. There's nothing else that you could possibly want to live for. Like, yeah. he's living his best life. He's, he's been drafted to the AFL. That's every yeah. young Australian boy's dream, yeah. you know, and, and the pressures that come with it, that. It comes with that. But as I said, you don't know, and you don't know what you don't know. Mm. And this is purely, and this is like people's life experiences or whatever from business, wherever they've gotten, how they've gotten to those certain positions. 
you don't know what you don't know, but you can only live what you've got and you make most of those experiences as much as you possibly can. Mm. But there's always, it's not what you do on the field. It's what you do on the field is what people see and they feel and that's the experience and that's their judgment that comes from you as a person. It's the stuff that you're off field that you're dealing with and processing mm. and, you know, and as a young man who's you're still trying to find your way of life and what you're about, you know, I got drafted when I was 17. Mm. I just turned 17 years of age and I was shipped off to Adelaide to play AFL start pre-season and all sorts of stuff. Played my first game and I was like 17 and a half years yeah, wow. of age, right? Against fully grown men. Still a kid. Still a kid. Yeah. Mate, it was, even though I said I was fully grown at 13, I was still a kid. Yeah, well, you, Emotionally, yeah, mentally, correct. you're to that point. Mm-hmm. Even I'm 43 now, I'm still a kid. So am I. So it's, <laughs> but that's, that's life, right? So you, you, the appreciation now, I look more now on the appreciation of what the journey was with, with being given that opportunity to play footy. But I was always going to be a, a professional sports person. Mm. And, and it didn't matter the sport. Like I, I was just not being an idiot, not being arrogant in how this works. I was always destined to play professional sport. Yeah. Just how my makeup was, how my men, my, my head was going, okay, my ability to actually execute on the field. Um, my point of difference was that I was hard as, you know, hard as a cat's head. Yeah. And that's how I played and that wasn't sort of, and that was, but that was the time. Could, could my game now translate to what the footy is played now? It's a different story. It's a very different But game, you train and evolve and you understand the systems that you work differently so in the time that you're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, appreciation now is more that I get to coach my son's under-8s football team. Yeah. You know, be able to pass on the learnings and this is what life's about, right? What's your, what's your footprint that you're going to sort yeah. of leave behind? And for me it's about being able to sort of guide people with your experiences that you've had to be able to make – their decisions and their life better. Mm. And if you can do that and you can leave that footprint and your legacy on other people, especially the generations coming through, especially your own kids, um, you know, being able to use that experience from what was at time, as I said, amazing and hell, <laughs> yeah. to be able to say, okay, this is about not you becoming a better footballer, this is about you becoming a better person. It's breaking a cycle, isn't it? Like, yeah. a, you know, that, that cycle of just this is what is meant to be. Um, given then... You know, you're you're an AFL player. You're you're in there. You're amongst the lights. You're doing yep. a great job at Hawthorne, um, but behind the scenes, things aren't necessarily going beautifully. No, and like it, it's the off-field stuff. Actually, how the impact the off-field stuff has then on your on. You know, if you're in a safe, you, you perform best when you're at your safest. Yeah, yeah. No matter what environment you're in, whether it be at work, whether it be at home, socially professional sport or, or, you know, community sport, whatever you're playing, wherever you're safest, you feel safest and more acknowledged, you perform. Yep. And that's how it works. Yep. So there's all stuff going off field, you know, everyone's got relationship issues, everyone's, you know, there's financial stress, there's social disconnection, there's the the overthinking mental health game that you're sort of playing yep. or not recognising. You know, we're talking 20 years ago, these types of conversations around emotions and mental and mental headspace in terms of where you're at. They weren't being had. Very common. So you couldn't you couldn't have those conversations. So, you know, we talk about the fact that you, you can't deal with what you don't know what you're dealing with. Mm. So not being able to understand it in, within yourself to say something's up but I can't talk to anybody about it to say what can we do better with it mm. and how do we make this work. So, you know, there's a whole range of different stuff that was going on off field, um, you know, but it was sort of more – it sort of became a real issue not just when I was playing footy but – before, so as I said, teenage years, yep. all that whole high school sort of all the all the dynamics and the drama and all the crap that goes on as being a teenager, you know, hormones pumping through, you know, family challenges, you know, social challenges, all that sort of stuff. But the only place that I felt safe was playing sport. Yep. So really, now looking back, I do it a lot in the reflection process is to say, okay, the experiences that I have now. Where do I feel safest? How do I make that place feel safe? Mm. Um, not just for me because it's about my boys, most importantly, yep. um, and making sure that we're having those safe experiences so we can get the best out of ourselves. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, your journey inspired, as you said, uh, a, a willingness or a drive to want to do better for others. Yeah. Um, you know, you walked from Sydney to mm. Melbourne. Mm. 
Um, how did yeah, that yeah. come Thanks about? Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, <laughs> and what, what was the motivator there? And, and, and you know, yeah. was, was that another one of those, this is for me as well as for the message I'm trying to convey? I think if you want to perform anything, if you want to achieve anything in life, you, you obviously your driving motivation is yourself. Mm. You've got It's got to be um, because you're the one that's got to do it 24-7. You've got to put the effort in, the preparation, all sort of stuff, and then the actual the reason why is you. Yep. Yeah. But the impact that it has, you know, is to the greater community in whatever way that is. And that greater community can be just the direct person that is experiencing that with you potentially or the, you know, hundreds or thousands of people or whatever that see it through social media and all that sort of stuff. It came about and it's, it was a real big thing that I needed to do, one, for myself. So in 2011 I had my last suicide attempt. Mm which is a, you know, it's a common story how it works, <clears throat> had multiple suicide attempts and suicidal, you know, suicidal thoughts for an extended period of time pre that. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point where six months before that I nearly lost my leg. So I had staph infection from a, you know, multi, from a, a knee injury that I, um, so I ruptured the patella off the bone, my kneecap was halfway at my leg, mm-hmm. had it all attached, had staph infection, did all that sort of stuff, went back in. Anyway, got to a point where, okay, well, this is, and I was in the midst of my, my drug addiction, Yep. My mental health was at its all-time low, obviously sort of putting those sort of relationships in there. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and then nearly losing my leg and going and going bang and then had that last suicide attempt in October 20, October 2011. Yep. Getting through that process to say, okay, what is my life about? Because I had had that conversation with somebody who's really, who is really important in my life and with my, my wife. Mm-hmm recognising the fact that I needed to do something about my life. So got the help, got the put, you know, put all the processes in play, sort of my recovery process then started. And that was still over a probably four to five month period. Yep. Working through that and then I okay, go, okay, well, walking then became my meta, my medication, right? And that was a part of my therapy. That's how I worked it through, you know, a lot of journaling. I was doing a lot of gratitude practices. I was reading Buddhism books. I was doing all this sort of stuff going, what can I, how do I need to make the changes in my life for the betterment of my future? Mm. So I did that and walking thing became my thing. I'd become the walking guy, you know, like first thing in the morning, I'd do 10 Ks. Last thing at night, I'd do 10 Ks. It's like Forrest Gump. Just so pure <laughs> Forrest Gump without <laughs> yeah. the hair. Right? Yeah. So... Um, and then I'm going, okay, well, and then I was there going, okay, I'm going to start the foundation. And Love Me, Love You Foundation is what we started with and the Love Me, Love You has come about from, as I said, from the, the reading of the Buddhism books. It was just going, okay, how am I understanding the knowledge of being myself mm. and caring and loving myself before I can actually accept and acknowledge the fact of lo- what life is about for others. Yep. And it really became a sort of really big mantra of how I lived my life for that period of time. And coming through, and then we launched the foundation. I thought, well, I need to make some noise here about what we're about, why we're here, um, and not just another footy bloke trying to do a thing. Mm. And that was the thing. It was a big part of that, right? Not just another footy guy doing this thing. Yep. Putting it into a position, and then I said to somebody, you know, because I had the first idea I was going to do 40 marathons in 40 countries and do all these sorts of things, but I'm built like a fridge and I can't run. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so puts it down for me. makes it a lot harder. Yeah. And I go, okay, well, I can do sitting to Melbourne, surely. So 900 Ks, the preparation and training that I put in for that was ridiculous. You know, I was doing sort of, I was running marathons in an altitude room. I was doing all that sort of stuff just to a point to, you know, I was training 10 times a week in the build up to that walk, mm. you know, I, you know, I stripped down to, I was like 85 kilos. I was, I was fit as. Got to a point where I knew that, I, and this is, and you relate to it and understand it really well, Mike, is the fact that when you're in your life, when you become something, nothing's ever enough. Yeah. So you put the efforts and the preparations in play to make sure that once you, you, you know, you can achieve something, but it wasn't for me about achieving me getting from Sydney to Melbourne. It was me going, okay, if I wanted to, I can go back mm. and be okay. Mm. And this is, I think, where we get lost in life is that people go, I just need to achieve that. Yeah, I'm going to put the effort to just get there. But you've got to put the effort in to get back. Yeah. Yeah. So you put all the things in play, make sure you're doing all the right things, you're investing in yourself so much. But the le- biggest learnings that I took from the walk was the fact that I couldn't do it by myself. Mm. 
And this is what life's about. You can't do life by yourself because it's just so much harder. Yeah. Being able to accept the support, accept the help, accept people walking your path with you and being able to acknowledge and be grat- you know, grateful for the fact of people in your life and the journey that you're able to live mm. to make sure that you can get there and you can get back. And the thing about that story I think I love the most is the the role that your mum played in that in that story <laughs> with you. I mean, how good yeah, are mums? Yeah, yeah, You've yeah. met my mother. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and for the you know, for the folks listening, um, I met Lance through um, the early stages of the Never Alone campaign, which yep. was part of the Love yep. Me Love You Foundation. And there was a a request put out just for people that had had an association experience with mental health and suicide. Yep. Um, in my family, uh, I lost an uncle, my mum's brother, to suicide when yep. I was 19. He was yep. early 40s, probably yep. our age. Yep. Um, and then seven years ago, uh, my stepfather, so my mum's husband. Yep. Um, and, and my mum is relentless when it comes to life mm. and one of those people where I think, how do you do it? Um, how do you manage to get up and just keep pushing? And she's always telling me that I'm, you know, the, the main motivation behind that, which again is one of those things that it can be a little bit heavy if you don't recognise the gratitude in that. Yeah. Um, so in particular, you know, your relationship with your mother and the drive and the connection, you know, in being able to do something like that together, yeah. you know, how does, how does that affect Huge. you? Huge. Like, you know, uh, you know, I say it publicly. I'm not afraid. Of, like I'm a big mummy's boy. Mm. Like my mum is my best, one of my best mates. It's same, just, it's exactly how life the same. Works right. And yeah. The relationship that I have with my mum is, you know, is not just from being the the through the challenging times, but you know, to be able to celebrate the successes that we've had together. Um, you know, is one of the first people I call um, to talk about anything, mm. you know, whether it be you know a challenging day or whether it be um, you know this has been a good thing that you know that that's a relationship that I have with my mum. And when I said, and I didn't even think about it, right, because when I said I'm going to do this walk from Sydney to Melbourne, the first thing she said, well, I'll drive the car. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you know, that's, you know, you grow up and, you know, now being being a parent, you you know what you do for your kids and without without question. Um, And for her to be able to say, yep, bang, and I don't think she really thought about it because... Driving a Kia Carnival <laughs> <laughs> with a trailer on the back full of our goodies um, for six kilometres an hour between 50 to 70 kilometres a day. Yeah. Making the lunches, the dinners, you know, all the washing, all that sort of stuff, just so make sure that I had the best opportunity to do what I needed to do. Mm. Um, and it was, you know, she's, her, her, her bum's still numb, yep. right, from sitting in the car for that mm. long for, for that process. So there's only one day that she sort of nearly hit me um, because her leg went a little bit numb and it went yep. sort of uh, to the accelerator instead of the brake. Oh, um, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so it's um, – but, you know, it's it's this what you do for your people, right? Yeah. It's, um, you know, it doesn't have to be the biggest of things. And this is what we're trying to help people understand is that you don't have to create the biggest of events to have the biggest of impacts for people. It's yeah. the little things that allow you to do that and that's mm. the feelings you get and the consistency of that, um, the consistency of your little efforts and your little cares and your little loves and, you know, all those sorts of things, that's what the greatest impact comes from. Yeah. Um, and, and that makes it a more sustainable and, and, and loving and caring relationship. So. In, in particular, um, I really like when we talk about um, addiction and, and substance abuse, yeah. you know, the modern sort of teachings and philosophies that are coming from that where we talk about um, the way to the way we used to treat addiction was you, you put someone in, in a mental ward or, yeah. you know, you, you throw them out of the family until they yep. do better. Mm. Um, and we're learning more and more that the opposite of addiction is actually connection and community and, yep. and how that is becoming the healer for people yep. that are, are so separate. You know, what can you speak to in... Huge on that. It's you know, but life's about connection, right? Everyone's addicted to something. Mm. You know, level different. Addiction is on different levels, right? So there's different where people are you not know, so much a little bit addicted, but it's still addiction and whatever sort of um, process or behaviour. So the big thing that we talk about when talking about dealing with a mental health condition or dealing with addiction or substance abuse or alcohol abuse, it's about the the um, the connection to yourself and why you're there. Yeah. yeah, and this is what I felt is why am I here? Why am I doing this to make sure that I can feel better? This is not this is not making me feel better. Mm. So the connection, so we're all driven by community, right? So the mental health is measured by the energy between people. 
the more I withdraw from that or more more toxins I put on that, which is, you know, addiction to mental health diagnosis, more more I put in there, it actually drives the separation between people and it drives separation between your community. The more connected we feel, the better we feel. Mm. So, you know, the the hormones and the chemicals that are released from connection, <laughs> if done right, will outweigh the chemical reaction that you get from that addictive or yeah. that addiction that you have to something, whether it be gaming, whether it be drugs, whether it be alcohol, whether it be smoking, whether it be too much sugar, you know, talk about food, all that mm. sorts of stuff. It, 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 the actual connection community as a human energy, if you thrive with that, allowing it to be a part of your life, um, it creates a motivation to keep moving, yeah? Because we're inherently tribal beings, right? Like we've just evolved to this massive society in such a short amount of time. But you go back a few hundred years, yeah. we're about... Yeah, it's the tribe, yeah. right? And, yeah. and still it, the people that do it well today are the people that know their tribe mm. and what they're doing with each other, not just for each other. Okay, and it's, as I said, it's with each other. Yeah, we're on this. We're in this path together. Sometimes you go off the path a little bit, but it's about those people being able to bring you back with it, without judgment. You know, the full respect of who you are, the trust that you need, and then make sure that that path is a safer opportunity for you to walk. Mm. It's going to be some bumps in the road, and that's perfectly fine. You know, but we talk about in dealing with addiction, is that in a mental health diagnosis, same thing. I'm talking about it in the nicest way possible, Mm. is that we keep treating the effect, Mm. the outcome. And not the cause. Not the cause. Get to the cause, deal with that, acknowledge it. You know, we talk about acceptance, acknowledgement, action, right? There's the three steps of of dealing with anything. Accepting the fact of what this is, why am I here, how that works, acknowledging the feelings and the experiences that come with that. Mm. And then the action is how how am I actually processing that to make sure that I... I'm in a better space. And that's why people lapse all the time. And they do. And, and it's just the given, right? Because we talk about the honeymoon period when dealing with or supporting people mm. is that all of a sudden they're being supported because – and they're feeling that because you talk about connection community. When you're being supported, you have those two, th- those two Cs, yep. right? Then being able to go, okay, and then the chemicals release and then your mind's, you know, clearing up a little bit. I'm better now. Everything's better, yeah. bang, and then you're driven back and then you're out. Oh, you're forgetting the pieces that you're actually putting in play to make sure it works for you. Mm. And then you sort of lapse back into it because there's a certain trigger that you haven't acknowledged in your life to say, okay, I, I, I need to I'll be aware of it. I'm not saying I'm staying, steering away from it because if I try just – sort of put it under the rug, you know, you can trip over that rug sooner or later, right? So it makes it worse. So you drive that connection into yourself, but you talk about your community, but your community needs to be able to drive in in with you. But it can't drive in with you or can't live in, walk your path unless you open the path. Mm. You've got to open yourself to the the other. That's the other big thing is, is, and particularly with me, we were chatting earlier over the last few months, I've I've been diagnosed ADHD. and the amount of symptoms that come from that, you know, one of those is that thing of um, struggling to be able to relate to people and therefore isolating, thinking that you're doing them a favour, but you're actually having this negative effect on yourself. Yeah. It, that becomes that, that feeling of burden, mm. you know, with, on, on yourself. And I don't want to weigh own. on the people around me. Yeah. yeah. So especially as a male in this world as well, like, you know, females, males, it, it's, it's society issues and I'm not saying it's, it's not – not that it's not, yeah. right? But as a male, historically and, and evolution of life is you talked about the tribes before and then your role in the tribe and how it all worked and sort of it becomes this big sort of macho brave sort of thing that, you know, there's a problem, you solve it, you make it work. Mm. You know, you're a provider, all those sorts of things. And, and that's perfectly fine because everyone needs to understand how they play their role yeah. in life and their, their role in their community. But when you start hitting at your identity or who you think you are as a person because society has expected you or put you in this box to be this type of person. Yep. And as historically as an Aussie male in this world, it's been tough, hard. Yeah. Don't talk about your feelings. Don't talk, don't talk about feelings. Don't yeah. talk about emotions. Don't talk about the fact that, you know, showing weakness. It's yep. not showing weakness. It's, just, you know, 
the true courage. I had this conversation with my son this morning. He's quite. You know, he asked about um, the word courage. Yeah. Because what's courage mean? And it's about the ability of the resilience and the strength that you need to show through a challenging time so it doesn't become your weakness, it becomes your strength, mm. right? So to be able to explain that to a seven-year-old and for him to go, I get it. Yeah. Because we're open to those conversations. So, and <clears throat> when we talk about, you know, cultures of, you know, being in sport before, you know, and it's been brought up a little bit lately that, like, I'm not your average male today, mm. right? I look like your average male, bit better looking. No, <laughs> Definitely but, better looking. But I am sensitive. Yeah. I'm open. I'm vulnerable. I care. And that's not been the way that it, we historically have known it may to be. And that's, I'd, I'd love to stop on that for a second. Yeah. Did you, I, I've, I've always been the same. And did you find that it was just very hard to be that person when you were young? My biggest challenge at high school was being myself because, again, the boys that I'm hanging around with, they're not about that level of connection or about that level of, you know, being able to relate. So then you start yeah. feeling like something's wrong feeling with you. Feeling more disconnected from yep. it all. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, to no. tell the truth. I'm not oh, sure I, I understand. Look, she doesn't get it. She's Siri's all over it. She, <laughs> she doesn't understand anything, Siri. Um, but I'll tell you, you'll get an Instagram post or something about the fact that uh, of seriousness and vulnerability soon. I so better anyway. actually, I don't know, I'm, I'm very unprofessional, lads, and not, not muting this thing. That's all good. Go. Anyway, so... I don't know, and that's the honest. Like, mm. I, because my life become so much about my sport, and that's where I felt like I'm going to just show the world you're going to have to like me because I'm going to be good at sport. That's just how I went through life. Mm. Because I had a total disconnection with you know being at primary school, you know the big kid. I was always fighting. It was my parents always you know getting me caught up because I was causing trouble all the time. Yeah. Then I got to, you know, a new school and, you know, had some challenges socially and I'm going, well, you know, I just I just wanted people to like me. That's just mm. what we do, right? Yeah. So you start doing something that's not you and you start feeling or experiencing life that isn't you but you don't know that at the time. Like I was an early teenager, right? Yeah. So we still do that now. Yes. As people. We still do things to make sure that there's no bad energy between people, that we make sure that we're liked by, you know, majority of people. Um, but I think as you get older and now I've get, I'm, I'm at a stage now from all the experiences that I've had and, and the experiences that I've had to deal with and understand through the Never Alone Foundation, which was Love Me, Love You, mm-hmm. in understanding people's challenges of life and the gratitude that we need, I need to be able to work through that mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I talk about suicide every day. I talk about people that are, you know, being have to be hospitalised through their mental health diagnosis, people with lives that have been sort of actually absolutely broken down from mm. the fact that they can't deal or can't get supported for their mental health diagnosis or the fact that just hardship just is every part of everyone's day, yeah. right? And I, and I take a lot of that on from a lot of people, a lot, and people then feel... We'll talk about the burden part. Mm. You go, oh, I don't mean to burden you with this, and it's and and I'm and and I get it all the time, and I and I say to these people, say to everyone, you're not burdening with me at uh, on me. I understand it. Mm. I can understand the challenge of life. I understand what you're going through because I'm not you. Yeah, and I, and if I'm just at the ear that you need or I'm a hug that you need or a high five or a fist pump or a handshake or whatever that you need right now, that's perfectly fine. You're not burdening me with anything. Mm. And as society, we need to get to that past that fact of I'm not here for judgment on you or the decisions that you make, but if you bring bad energy to me, I don't need you in my life. Mm. And people get weird with me saying that because you want to play the victim in this world? You're not going. I don't need you. No. Yeah. And, and I say this in the nicest way possible. And you know, this is the fact of, you know, oh, but then then people will come come to me and and then they'll pull the mental health card. I thought you would have understood more than anyone, but I do understand. Yeah. But it's not about the mental health card. Don't play that on me. You're playing the victim on this process. Yeah. Let's let's understand. This is the experiences that we're all working through. If I can help you. And that's not from giving you advice. I can help you by just listening to what you need to talk about. That's all that needs to happen here. Mm. 
you also have your people in your tribe that you need to be able to communicate that with. I might not be a part of your tribe, but I can be a part of your path. Yeah. Yeah. So the talk about the burden thing again, it's about being understanding, okay, we, we have these conversations without judgment. We're talking about these conversations with full respect and trust, the fact that these are the conversations that are needing to be had. And if we are able to talk about, as you just explained before, being diagnosed with something, it's not about labelling it, it's about understanding it. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So we talk about when people go pull a mental health card, which people they 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 do, and that's their life. But it's not about the diagnosis, it's about the understanding of why. Mm. So how have I got through this, the experiences, this answers a lot of questions, but what am I going to do with that? As I said before, awareness, um, acceptance, acknowledgement and action, mm. making sure that it works and understanding. Don't play the victim. With, with the amount of work that you do with yeah. um, Never Alone, obviously, you know, to your point before, people want to talk to you, people want to understand your experience. Does that itself become something that you need to manage well in not taking on too much? making sure that, you know, you've got the mental bandwidth for your family and things like that. How do you, how do you best manage that? I've become really good at that compartmentalising it all. Yeah. Right? That's the conversation, that's the process, that's there. That's perfectly fine. I don't need to take that on because that's not my experience. That's your experience. Mm-hmm. And be able to say with people, this is your experience. I'm here for a conversation. I can help you and if you would like advice, I can help you to a point of what has worked for me, not worked for, for you mm. because I don't know you, yeah, in terms of what really is going to sort of – but we can create opportunities, create understandings. It was a real battle for the first probably five years of doing the foundation and taking it all that on because I still wasn't in a really good space. Yeah, I was in a better space but I wasn't in the space that I am now. I'm in a space now where I'm totally comfortable with my life, what I'm doing, where I need to go, I'm striving through, and that's become a big part of my life because I have my kids. Mm. They give me a great perspective of life and what life's about. And there's this gravitas about you. Like even even when we first spoke on the phone, it's funny, that the conversation that we had came at such a fortuitous week. It was a really bad week for me. Um, And you talk about those moments where, you're feeling isolated, you're feeling alone, you're feeling like there's nothing to contribute to. And just the conversation that we had on that phone that day, putting me on a path where I could then contribute some of what I've experienced yep. to yep. others, that's a shift. That's yep. a massive shift for someone. Yep. Um, what's the what's the goals and the objectives of the foundation and how do you present that to, to yeah. people that, that join? So, and this is a big part of why, so as I said, 10 years ago we've, Founded as the organisation, as a charity for like called Love Me Love You Australia. That's mm-hmm. what we were called. So ten years on, we we've changed, we've we've shifted to a point where we're now called the Never Alone Foundation. And Never Alone has always been our sort of our tagline and a way it works. It's trademarked and all sort of stuff. A whole lot. But the messaging of Never Alone becomes gives us a, a better position for people of all industries, all communities, all support, you know, all different organisations, all programs, all sort of stuff. What we want to do is create more accessible platform and collaborate with other organisations that we show the message that we are never alone. Mm. Because the more we can support each other, even those times in devastation, challenge, hardship, wherever you're at and you're at the lowest of points, you can feel the message of never alone. Mm. Because loneliness, yeah, withdrawal, is the biggest thing that's actually going to kill people yeah. um, in the years to come. And we found that from the disconnection that we had through COVID period, yeah. right? So being able to shift that sort of culture and understandings around it, what we do at Never Alone is, is, is that the collaboration piece is is huge. Now, there's organisations, the not-for-profit world, the mental health world, suicide prevention world, it, it's, it's busy. It's a real busy platform. Mm. It's a real busy sort of sector. Um, you know, we're talking about what needs to be more done more in schools. How do we actually understand that mental health and, and the, everything that, you know, works with around that mental health umbrella? Mm-hmm. Why isn't it a subject? Why isn't it something that all kids are learning at all times and a consistency of it, not just me coming in or an organisation coming in and doing a session yeah, once for, 45, six months, yeah. for 45 minutes and going, oh, this is amazing. You mm-hmm. walk out the door, the kids are like, what was that about? Mm. It's about being able to develop and actually work through with sports and community clubs and organisations to make sure that they have accessibility information, accessibility of support work that needs to be had for those people. 
you know, the corporate sector is it's, it's a whole new world of just the opportunities that are available in there. But it's not about the Never Alone Foundation coming into those corporate or- organisations or community organisations and being able to say, okay, oh, we're going to change your world yeah. by me coming in. But it gives, as we talked about, gives you a perspective of what we need to do for each other and being able to make sure we have the right resources accessible to people, the connection that we need that conversation to be had with, who they can have that with, how do they actually work a mental health framework around that and understanding mm-hmm. the resources that come with that. Mental fitness is, you know, is a, is a, is a huge topic. You know, it's sort of evolved into that point where mental health is understood as a mental fitness sort of thing. Mm. Um, you know, we talk about social, physical and emotional health, how that all works and that sort of creates a mental health energy and platform, right? So us as an organisation, <coughs> we, 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 our aim is to work with organisations to make sure that they have the right access to resources and information. Yeah. And that's what we do. We're not, as I said, we're not a blueprint, you know, because everyone, as soon as somebody says in the mental health world that they've got the blueprint to make sure it works for you, mm. run the, shut the door. Yeah. Because it, no one's got a blueprint. Because we're all so different. Like everyone's different. Yeah. The, the involvement. So we talk about the framework, creating an opportunity of a framework of understanding what it looks like for the different activities and how do we actually experience those. comes back to the, aware, the acceptance, acknowledgement and action thing. Mm. Right? So I'm accepting of the fact that this is things that I need to be doing. I'm acknowledging how I'm going to feel when I do these and I could feel, and being able to action it. And you keep going through that sort of cycle, making mm. it work. So, um, you know, the biggest part that me, myself, is that I can't deliver unless I do. Mm. And I've got to do for myself. So I evolved, I've evolved my life and who I am. I'm 43 years of age. I'm a husband and a father of two boys. I still get up at quarter to four in the morning, seven days a week, and I go and train my ass off yeah. and I, you know, I meditate, I do my breath work, I have my time. You know, I, I work my situation, you know, I drink three to four litres of water a day. People go, well, why did you do that? Well, hydration is a huge part of it because 80% of our body is made up of water, so you mm. can keep topping yourself up, fill your cup up, as I say. Um, you know, I don't drink alcohol, I have a little bit of chocolate here and there. You know, nutritional value of life is not just about the food but the energy and the environment that you're actually feeding yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, I really make sure that I'm doing those sorts of things and it creates a simpler way of me better managing my system. If I can live that, then I can talk to you and I can talk here and talk about it and it creates an understanding for people to go, oh. Yeah. And I, and I like people... Those OF moments. Yeah, right? oh, yeah. Yeah, love them. Yeah. I've um, had about 20 of those in the past <laughs> two months. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? Yeah. If you can do that and accept that moment, what am I going to do with that? Mm-hmm. It's about so, – because we talk about bring it, bring it back to the honeymoon period, right? So straight, when you have those F, OF moments, there's a honeymoon period that follows that. They go, ah. Oh. But then it's about the motivation of actually keep doing it. Yeah. What am I doing this for? Why am I doing it? Who am I doing this for? And we can create more motivation around it, not being an inspiration. Mm-hmm. And I love this. I love I, I, the hate and love I have for this word inspiration. Inspiration, yeah. Is inspiration last a click of a finger mm. because it's that OF moment. Yeah. But what actually makes your moment more is the motivation of actually doing it on a consistent basis, being able to move forward with it. Mm. And that involves that level of discipline too. I always like um, yeah. Mike Tyson's uh, statement around discipline is discipline is doing things that you hate, hate. but doing them like you love, love them. It. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's been something that – Can you give me the voice with Mike Tyson? I can't do that. that. I can't. No, no. <laughs> I can't do that. I've heard it many times and I, and I love Mike and I love his, his actual – for what he was – and, you know, so to hear him now to talk about those Where he things. is in his life now is, again, it's one of those things that's just so beautiful to observe yeah. because he's so self-aware Yeah. Um, to the point where you see things go dark, you know, where he, he gets emotional talking mm. about how he used to be. Yeah. Um, but he's become this, you know, this, this real, from the guy that was the scariest guy on the face of the planet for two <laughs> decades is yeah. now this soft, humble, yeah. marshmallow sort of cat yeah. that's teaching people yeah. just be yourself, yeah. you know, get to know yourself. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that's a that's a hard one, right? Mm. Because we, you know, we were talking before off air. The world that we live in now is this, this comparative society of what life should be like. Yeah, and the social expectation, the pressure that comes with actually being something. If you can't get done something in thirty seconds, it's not worth it. Yeah, right. So 
to find out who you are, sometimes you have to go to the depths. You know, you have to be at the bottom. Mm. Hopefully that's not the, the case though, right? Because why does somebody have to get to that lowest point of life to go, okay, this is what I want to be mm. or this is what I should be. This is Actually, this is who I am. But it's when the problem that we have is that when people get to those start dropping down to that level and they're not recognising it mm. and they're not recognising it and not acknowledging it and not acknowledging the fact that they're not themselves, they're not with the people they need to be with, they're not working themselves to a point where they're actually going to get benefit out of their life and actually then they can't, can't leave that legacy behind. Mm. Everyone's got a legacy to leave behind. What impact you have on this world is obviously you only know that from when you leave the world. Correct. But if you can understand how you actually make an impact on everybody's life, more importantly you impact your own life every single day mm. and it doesn't have to be the big event. No. Yeah. No, even like, you know, my role in this business is director of technology and it's a nice title. I, it's not bad. <laughs> it's not bad. For a for technology business, that's not bad. <laughs> and I love I love tech. Um, but leadership for me has was the thing that I started my career as a musician yep. and worked in those circles for many years and then I f- fell into corporate and watching a good leader, you know, a good and, and, and the things that a good leader can do for people, yep. that was always my motivator. Yep. And in the past couple of years, having joined this business, um, it's one of those businesses that it's an echo chamber for that. The yep. culture here is yep. about letting people be the best they can be. It's not yeah. about come to work, be at your desk at nine, you know, do a full yeah. day's work and then, you know, yeah. take off and take yeah. four weeks annual leave. And being able to put people on paths um, where, okay, like you're feeling like you're not meeting your objectives or your career goals now, yeah. how do we make sure that happens in, in two and three years' time? It's not about snapping the fingers and saying, oh, cool, I'm going to fix everything for you. But to your early point, understanding people and the desires and the drives that they have to be fulfilled because everyone wants to feel important. Everyone wants to feel valued. Um, I consider my job now to really just be like the megaphone for yep. that, you know, yep. listening to people's desires and then yep. being able to help them on their journey. Yep. That's more of what I'm here to do other than to do techie stuff. Yeah. I think it's – and so the chairman of the foundation is a bloke called Michael Snyder, right, who's the – MD. GM, MD of Bunnings. MD of Bunnings. Great guy. Right. Great guy. Super fella. Yeah. And he keeps saying, he goes, so he's in charge of Bunnings Group, right? So mm. 55,000 people Australia New Zealand wide. That was my first, sorry, first ever part-time job as Bunnings. Was Bunnings? Yeah. yeah. Surprised you left because not too many people leave it's, Bunnings once and, they're in And there, I've right? actually, <laughs> I've gone on record on a previous podcast. We were talking about like, you know, the, the things that you can learn as a youngster in business. Bunnings is amazing. Like yeah. what, what that teaches you about work ethic uh, customer service, yeah. teamwork, like. Yeah. yeah. So his biggest one, and he, he, he's brought it up to me a couple of times, it's not about giving a man a fish, it's about teaching how to fish, right? Mm. So, and that's the guidance as a leader, when you talk about your role here, is about encouraging and empowering people to be able to make those choices and decisions and actually fulfil them from their own actions, mm. yeah? So people automatically say to me a lot with, you know, and I know Mike and Mike's a mentor and a great friend of mine, for a, long, for a period of time now, which I'm eternally grateful for, but as I am with every other experience of my life that I am for, you know, in terms of the people that are in my life, I'm eternally grateful for yeah. the experience that they and the impact that they have on me. And his openness is the thing. Yeah. His openness to have conversation, to support, to be open, to, to give is what actually I believe in terms of being able to be a leader of not just your business but in terms of your family, in terms of your community, in terms of your sport or whether you're at, is your openness to give mm. and openness without judgment and openness without, you know, the you know, openness with respect yeah. and making sure that we're, we're in this life together. And he says to me a couple of times, he goes, but I'm not as good as my people. Mm. And he goes, it's not about the, the, the you know, the, the person that's working casual hours in, um, you know, the back end of Queensland sort of thing that, you know, who's one of my people. Yeah. I can only directly impact the people that I can directly impact. Yeah. But if we're doing that the right way and that sort of ripple effect flows through, that everyone has that impact. Everyone creates that impact. Everyone sort of feels and, and is experiencing that impact from the top down. Leadership is from the top. Culture is built from the bottom. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. 
because your people, the people on the ground in life is what actually makes things work. So you're only as good as your people. You invest in your people more, whether it be in business or at home, the more you invest in your people, the better your product's going to be. Mm. And that was definitely something that I always felt, you know, in, in that organisation because it was one of those things where they, they were very much about that culture because the understanding is quite clear. I've worked for businesses that have bad culture. Mm. and Not here. Not here. Nope. 100% no. <laughs> but, but some businesses, and like it's that they kid themselves because the balance sheet still looks good. Yeah. So as long as the balance sheet's coming through okay, yeah, we're still profitable, we're still making money, we've still got jobs, then everything's okay. Meanwhile, your people are falling to pieces. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people that feel not supported in a business, to your uh, earlier point, we talk about community and, and the involve. Everyone wants to feel like they're contributing. You've got to create a framework for people to be able to contribute. Otherwise, they're just going, well, what am I here for? Yeah. And, and how do I translate to what it is that the objective is? Yeah. Yeah, very similar to things like team sports. It's everyone has a role to play yeah. um, and, and you've got to understand how you interact with all those other roles. But then your leader has to also echo that every minute, kind of the captain rocking up having a bad yeah. day yeah. and shitting on everyone because yeah. then you're not winning yeah. games. Yeah. And I think that's that part. When you're talking about team sports, there's the similarities in terms of business, even family dynamics to, to, to sport. And having experienced team sport, even individual sports, yeah, I still need a team around them to be able to do. And it's being able to have those people feel the acknowledgement of their role and their position and how they do it, that they are the most important person at that time. Mm. Everyone is the most important person. The more we can, and more we create that culture around that we're all the most important people in here. Because whether it's your title of being the the you know the CEO or owner yeah. or whatever it is, for to the person that's you know cleaning the toilets. Yep, different sort of to the level, right? Yeah. So the more we're, we're feeling the importance of our role and because the wheels need, need to turn mm. and they need all of the factors to turn and the more that they actually link together, one more one broken link can bring the business down. Of course. It can bring the life down. It can bring the family down. Mm. Um, you know, we experience it a, a hell of a lot with the, you know, broken homes. Is There's only one link. <laughs> That usually is the deciding factor. It's not only two or three sort of four sort of factors that go into sort of a family dynamic that brings something down. It's usually mm. one person, yeah. right? But because maybe they're not feeling acknowledged or they're not feeling safe, they're not feeling like they're sort of contributing, their identities that hit, you know, or they're actually just saying because it's not – that's the outcome, right? But if people are understanding the cause of why they got to that point, mm. then there'll be less – Terrible dynamics. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's really important too to make sure that when there's time to celebrate that you're celebrating together as well. And, um, you know, we talk about team sports versus individual sports. I I train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I compete rarely. I haven't competed for years. But even then, like you train, you train, you train, you train, you go out and you compete on your own. Mm. But I take every guy that I've ever trained with with me. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. I'm I'm not there doing me. Yeah. I'm doing there doing every minute that I've trained with every one of the, yeah. the boys at the club over two or three years. And so if I win, that's not just my victory yeah. because I'd be nothing without them. Yep. So it's it's acknowledging the fact that business will have wins, sports sporting teams will have wins, individuals will have wins. That's when that gratitude thing needs to come to the surface where you look around and you go, well, I'm thankful for everyone that helped me get here. Yeah. Um, and that is then what also instills in those people around you the yeah. recognition that we are actually a, a, yep. a, a team. We refer to ourselves here as the inside family. Yep. Um, and that's not a throwaway line. That's yep. something that we always try and make sure yep. that we we emphasise. We want everyone to feel like we're part of yep. a family. Talk about anything that's going on, if you need support, if you need time. Um, and, you know, the Never Alone Foundation is, is one of those things that I think does that beautifully. Given that we've got a couple of key important events and dates yep. coming up, um, how can people reach out to or be involved in Never Alone and some yeah. of the activities that are on the way? So we've got the walk coming up, which is a big one. Mm-hmm. It's a World Suicide Prevention Day that is on, uh, we're, uh, September 10th, uh, around Albert Park Lake. So we're calling it laps for life type sort of thing. So people can walk for one lap, they can do two laps, they can do 10 laps. Um, yeah. Whoever they feel comfortable enough to actually sort of what they need to strive for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the walk is always about, so it's called, it used to be called March With Me yeah. to the walk. So now it's called the Never Alone Walk. Um, just in line with who we are now, right? Um, so the walk is always about creating conversation pieces along the journey, 
and creating the journey t- together, right? So having people walk together is amazing. You know, you can get on the neverloan.org.au uh, site and, you know, you follow the links and you get to the, you know, participate by yourself. Yeah, we'll have all the, the links and everything on, on this, through. yeah. Um, and then it's just sort of reaching out and saying, okay, <clears throat> as an organisation, what we're able to deliver is being able to sort of help deliver a mental health framework and understandings and acceptance and acknowledgement and conversation pieces so that organisations, whether it be, as I said, from a, from sport and community right through to corporate to say, okay, this is the opportunities that we can give. We're not your answer. We help you just understand the conversation pieces that can create more of what we call a support awareness organisation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, corporates, when we talk about corporates, the corporates, majority of corporates have an EAP, right? But there's this, this, this is the three, this is three a little bit. Go. Okay. <laughs> Industry standards for uptake of an EAP is three to five percent. What's an EAP just for people? Employee Assistance Program. Yep. So Employee Assistance Program is the uh, psychology or sort of uh, service that is provo- support service that is provided to staff mm-hmm. um, paid for by the business. Okay. Okay. So it's an accessibility of the service. Yep. Very privileged to have that opportunity because if you try and get into a psychologist as a public member of life, you very know, hard, very very difficult to yeah. get to it and where it's available to you. So what we're trying to help people understand. So three to five percent is the industry standard uptake. Mm-hmm. There's a hundred people in a business. Three to five of those people will uptake that service yeah. in any one year. One in four people, <laughs> so mental health diagnosis. One in two people in their lifetime will have a mental health diagnosis. The one in six people are actually showing uh, have a mental health diagnosis related to anxi- an anxiety disorder. Um, you know, the, the stats go on. Mm. So the fact that the stats are so high but the services being uptake, taken up shows me one thing. People don't trust the system. Yeah. Yeah? So what we try to do at an organisation is actually trying to help with work with the support services that are available to businesses to create whatever like an EAP awareness. Mm-hmm. This is the reason why we need to get to the support. Hopefully, as I said, hopefully people aren't taking up the service because they don't need it. Yeah. But the fact is that, as I said to you, the, the fact is one in four are working through the fact that they have a mental health diagnosis in any one year. Mm. So why aren't people actually accessing the service that's available to them and the fact that there's the support services that people can't get into, why is there such a disconnection around it all? So what we do as an organisation, as I said, we have the sort resources, we're working with other organisations to make sure that we're all sort of pulling in the same together, pulling in the same direction and making sure that the support services that are available to them are being accessed without the fear or without the burden or without the judgement that's coming from talk about leaders, yeah. because people don't usually access a service because they're scared of what it might mean for the, their place in the, in, the, uh, in the business. Right. It's a huge part of it. Yeah. So we've got to normalise that process, get to the fact that this is just support, this is a service available, because if I'm, you know, someone's living the life of a undiagnosed mental health service or mental health diagnosis, sorry, and they're actually needing a support service, no matter whether it just be literally a venting process for something, you know, to get out of, be able to work through, mm-hmm. or the fact that they're actually down the track on their continuum, you know, and they're sort of in that sort of crisis or, you know, semi-crisis um, process. Whenever the service needs to be available, we need to make sure that we have that conversation as a leader, as a business, as a person on the ground, normalise the process to say, okay, these are the things I need to do with this, this is the, this is the avenue I need to get to, but bringing it back down to, as I said, the tools and activities that we need to be able to access, not as a blueprint, but as an opportunity. Mm. You know, opportunity is everything in life and being able to open yourself to opportunities, hopefully we make it a little bit better. Mm. Yeah. Um, a question I sometimes ask people, yeah. if you could have a half an hour conversation, we won't do the full half an hour conversation, yeah. but if you were to have a conversation with 14-year-old Lance, mm. um, what would you say? Oh, I get asked a lot. It's not the fourteen-year-old. It's usually like a twelve-year-old or even a yep. twenty-year-old, or whatever. If I just to have a conversation with the younger lads, what would I say? It would be about just keep going. Yep, you're all right, mate. Yeah, you know, and it's not not the genuine. Oh, you're all right, mate. Keep going, sort of thing. It's the fact that what you're doing for yourself needs to work. Mm. 
you need to make it work and, you know, just keep being yourself as opposed to being what other people want you to be. Yeah. Which is, you know, to try to tell a 14-year-old that, it's, it's, that's a difficult one. Mm. You know, I, I would say, um, you know, looking at the fact of, you know, the relate, be careful with your relationships. Yep. Yeah. Understand what relationships are for you. I think it's a really big one. As a, Particularly as a, as a young man. Yeah. Um, because having friends is really important and sometimes they're not the best friends for you, right? Like yeah. they, they might not necessarily be the best influence. But you don't know that until it's not. Correct. Yeah. Mm. So you don't know that someone's at a, at a, a poor influence on you or they're having a, a detrimental impact on your life until they're not there anymore, Yeah. right? Or until yeah. you've made that decision. You know, for me, you know, those people, people are in your life at a certain reason for a certain time for a certain reason. Mm. And it's not until later on that we become understanding of why they were there or, or, or what their purpose was. Yeah. Um, you know, I probably it was, you know, wash your hair more. That sort of thing, you know, back in the day I had the curls going on. So yeah. it was, you know, listen to your mum and dad. Yeah. I, I had a pretty challenging childhood with my dad. Yeah. Um, and I think more I look back on it now, what I would say to him is that, say to my, myself as a kid growing up, would be that dad's here for you. He's not, he's not your enemy. Mm. Grew up thinking dad was the enemy, which is he was I can relate. I can relate to relate that. Relate to that, understand I can relate that. relate to that. So, and that's what we do as, as young kids as well. You either have a really positive relationship with him growing up or you, or you don't. Mm. There's no sort of middle ground. Yeah. Um, but, and I've said this to many people in, in my life is who I am. I'm not the enemy here. Mm. Like I'm, I'm, I'm your person. I can be your person. Whatever you want that person to look like. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I, hats off to my dad. My dad was, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a super, as I said before, he played soccer roos. Mm. Automatic recognition of what people think my dad should have been is because he was a superstar sort of soccer player, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> but dad was the most caring, loyal, staunch person to his family mm. that there ever was. Misunderstood. Yeah. <laughs> Misunderstood is one way to, to think about my dad and the experiences that we had growing up and even to today. But he, he's what he's shown me in terms of how to be a dad, mm. um, whether it was from doing not what he did or doing what he did sort of thing. You know, it, it, my greatest fear growing up was that I was going to be my dad. Yeah. But my greatest appreciation of what I'm going to be in my life was is to be what my dad was about. Not yeah. to be what, not, not to be him, to be what he was about. And have you found that, that that point of view particular? And I don't have children, so I don't, I don't experience life from that point of view. But similarly, the older that you get and you start to deal with life's challenges and understand how hard it actually is, yeah. it's very easy to then look back and go, even for their mistakes, I know they were trying to do the best that they yep. could do at the time. Yep. Um, so whilst, and particularly with the therapy that I work through, it's it's managing the difference between it's okay to have a little bit of anger. It's okay to hold on to a little bit of like upset because, you know, things that happened happened. But know that they were only doing the best that they could do with the tools they had at the time. And the opportunities that they had to do it, right? Yeah. So, and that's the big thing. So. Yeah, dad worked two jobs. He did all that sort of stuff. He was, you know, but he was the biggest learning that, <clears throat> excuse me, the biggest learning that I've taken from my experiences from my mum and my dad is about the, the ability to be present. Mm. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing that I try to be with my boys is I, I'm in, I am involved. Yeah, some people probably think that I'm too involved, but I don't think you can be too involved. Mm. You know, I, I, and I because I want them to be create an opportunity that they feel safest. And I bring this back to the world before. I want to create opportunities for my kids where they feel safest so they can perform as best as they possibly can for themselves, not for anybody else. Yeah. So, you know, I'm involved in all the things. I try to go to, and you know, I'm 95% at all their activities, all the things, you know, coming and kick to the footy, playing in the backyard, being a monster, doing all these sorts of things. A nice monster. Not yeah. A, not a yeah. scary monster. Yeah. Um, taking them to the park or whatever it might be. I think the biggest thing that we forget in life is that we've become so busy being busy that we forget to be present for what life's about. Definitely. Um, and that's our 
community. You mm. bring it back to your people, right? So you you, you compete in all those sorts of things, but your community is what actually drives you to do it. Mm. Your commu- best, most important community is your 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 first five. Yeah, we'll call it right. Yeah. So your people. So we talk about your crew, talk about that sort of stuff. But who's the people that you do life with, and why do you do it? My life's all about my kids, mm. and you know, um, you know, I. I I get emotional on my kids because, you know, I, I always bring it back to the fact that 12 years ago I nearly died again. Yeah. And it's perspective of what life's about. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, even you know, Ben Cunnington um, from North. Yep. He talked about the fact of coming back from uh, the cancer and yeah. playing again. It's given me a greater perspective of life, what life's about. Mm. Okay. So he has the energy for what he needs to have the energy for now. Um, and that's his family. Mm. Yeah. So it's different ways people do differently, but it's, um, yeah, we've got to do this together. I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, buddy, that brings us to sort of the end. Oh, wow. Um, that was an hour. So was that, that, yeah. Yeah. No so, way. If you can't tell how long it is, then, then we yeah. know it was a good one. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I want to, I want to thank you for being okay. here. Also, I also want to thank you for being, uh, you know, a motivation and inspiration to me. Um, at a time when I needed it. Um, I love you, man. I think the work that you're doing is sensational. Um, I'm always, you know, eager to, to help and get involved. We're going to do some stuff with with the team this yep. afternoon to sort of get them yep. thinking along the same lines. But um, for anyone listening at home, you know, get around the Never Alone Foundation. Yep. They're doing amazing work. Um, Lance, you've turned your life around and, you know, you, you couldn't be commended anymore. Appreciate um, it. It's brilliant to watch. Thanks, mate. Appreciate, Thank you, it. Appreciate the love. Thanks, mate. Cheers, brother. Ciao.